Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. For this week's episode, we flew someone in specifically from Canada just to do the story. Hi, I'm Kate. I'm from the Canada Office of Motherboard. And she's actually here just to meet all of us, which is great, because she came the week where I wanted to talk about iPhone 6 Plus touch disease. Kate will describe it to you. What, what happened to your phone, Kate? Oh my gosh, I get so worked up even talking about it because it was so frustrating. I basically got this iPhone... I think it was refurbished, but it was from my old job. They gave me this phone. It was an iPhone 6 Plus. It was great. And it never worked right from the start. So I couldn't figure out what was happening for a really long time because I would use the screen. It just didn't respond. But then sometimes it would respond. Other times it wouldn't. So I'd be like trying to check an email or something and it just wouldn't open. I'd be trying to like take a photo. It was awful. It was basically useless, but it would almost be better if it just never worked. Like it would work sometimes. So I would have this like false hope that I would pick up my phone and it would be okay. And then it would like malfunction. So I would always have to like close it down, re-enter my password. And this just became a habit. I would close my phone, re-enter my password, do like one tiny thing, shut it down, re-enter my password, do like two other little tiny things. Everything took so long and made me so angry. And I was like, stressed out about it a lot sometimes because I had actually like a bad dream once where like I was in a fire and had to call 911 and I was like what happens if I can't use my phone like it was awful but being a person who is very busy and never has time to go to the mall I like never dealt with the problem I lived with it for months and it was like my albatross around my neck like honestly it made me crazy basically what's happening is Thousands upon thousands of iPhone 6 Pluses and sometimes iPhone 6s are starting to lose their touch functionality. And like Kate said, it's super intermittent often. You basically touch the touchscreen and nothing happens whatsoever. Yeah, nothing happens. But like I said, it's not like that was the case all the time. So like, and it was not, it was like, you could touch the exact same spot on the screen after restarting the phone and it would work fine. So it was just confusing and frustrating. And honestly, Jason, like I didn't know what it was until I read your piece on Motherboard. I had no idea what was going on with my phone. The reason you had no idea what was going on with your phone is because Apple has not said that this is an issue. And so there are thousands of people just like you, tens of thousands actually, because there's a a class action lawsuit that was just filed about this issue and over 10,000 people have expressed interest in joining. And that's just the people who happen to have read an article somewhere and taken the initiative to email this law firm. So there's many more phones out there. And yeah, people don't know what's going on because Apple hasn't said anything. So there's no way of knowing. To learn more about touch disease, what causes it, how it can be fixed, and what Apple should do about it, I called up Kyle Weens, CEO of iFixit, the company that originally brought its existence into the mainstream. 
Touch disease is a problem with the iPhone 6. It doesn't really impact any other phones except the iPhone 6 and the 6 Plus. It's actually even worse on the 6 Plus. And it doesn't happen to phones right away. So this is something where we didn't see this happening until probably a year, really, after the phone came out. The symptom, the problem is, and you may have seen this uh, on your phone, you may have a friend who's had this, is that the touchscreen stops working, and sometimes you get gray bar uh, across the top of the device. And sometimes if you like bang it on something or you bend the phone a little bit, you can get it to work. And that, that bending, that's a clue as to what the original problem is. So if you remember when the iPhone 6 first came out, there was somebody on YouTube said, oh, let me try, uh, you know, applying a lot of force to the phone. And he bent the phone and broke it. What's up, guys? Lou here back with another video. And today we're going to be doing the official iPhone 6 Plus bend test. Now, normally I wouldn't do a video like this, but I woke up this morning and saw a number of reports claiming that the iPhone 6 Plus was bending inside of people's pockets. Apple released some of their testing and they argued that the phone doesn't really have a major bending issue. And in general, it probably doesn't. But... Uh, it turns out that it does have a fair amount of flex, more flex than, than any previous iPhone, and that's a result of them making the device a little bit thinner than they used to. And we saw this because we could tell in the teardown that there wasn't a whole lot of reinforcing, particularly around where the, where the volume jack was. Uh, and when they released the iPhone 6S, they actually fixed the problem and they reinforced it. And it's, it's, it's got more, we would say, torsional rigidity. So there's more strength to, uh, to, to make it bend less. So why does this matter so much? Well, it turns out that when you bend the phone, even just very slight flexes, it puts a lot of pressure on two chips on the main board. And over time, that pressure on those two chips uh, starts to break some of the solder joints. Before I get too far into this interview, I wanted to bring up with Kyle the idea that Apple did this on purpose, that it's planned obsolescence. It's not something I buy into, but it's something that a lot of readers have asked about, so I wanted to know what he thought about it. Planned obsolescence is a really challenging thing to prove. Uh, you know, with the light bulb uh, situation, it seems like they, they demonstrated that uh, with with ink cartridges. I think you can argue that where uh, where there's like counters built into the ink cartridges that has nothing to do with how much ink is actually in it. With phones, I think it's a little bit harder. I, th I think when you when you get to batteries, we can definitely talk about that because you have a battery that has a, a known lifetime of four or five hundred charge cycles that's glued in where there's no user serviceable battery option. Uh, in the case of the iPod Shuffle, which Apple still sells, uh, they, I think they're $59 new and their battery replacement program is $59. And the battery has an expected lifetime of 400 uses. So they're selling a device that is designed to use four, you use it 400 times and then you throw it away. I think that's, that's pretty much the definition of planned obsolescence, right? Right. In very specific situations, you can, but the trick is that you have to, the, the, using the word fray, uh, planned in planned obsolescence, you, you are ascribing intent to the product designer where there is kind of malice ahead of time. And that's a, that's a hard thing to do. I don't, I don't know if it's completely fair to do that to everyone. You know, we're, like, we're upset that Apple hasn't released new MacBook Pros recently. Uh, but the last ones had, uh, you know, had the, the memory soldered in. So was that planned obsolescence or, or were they, you know, meeting some design constraints given to them by, by uh, the product design team? If not planned obsolescence, they at least make it a pain in the ass to, to keep your right. old devices. Yeah. Yeah. And I really think that's it. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into obsolescence. There's functional obsolescence. There's psychological obsolescence uh, where they're changing the colors. You know, there's a new jet black one. Uh, there are practical challenges with the device not being durable enough. 
uh, all of the, all of these factor in, and I, th- I think that just we need to step back and say, as a society, we want products to last a long time. We want to hold manufacturers to that. Okay, so back to touch disease. Right, and this is causing a lot of confusion for people because I'm hearing that it's like mostly an intermittent sort of thing at first. So people will say, oh, my touchscreen isn't always working, but if I bend it a little bit, it will work again. Or people are just sort of dealing with it for a while before they actually take it into to Apple. Right. And that's because it's a uh, loose connection inside, basically. It's just like a, a short on a wire. You might have like the dome light in your car stops working sometimes or it flickers a little bit. It's uh, it, uh, the electrical connection isn't completely solid. And, and so what happens for people is that the problem you know, starts very rarely and then it gets more and more frequent and eventually the phone just entirely stops working. I've talked to a lot of customers and they say that they take the phone into Apple. And at first, you know, if during the first year, the reason we weren't seeing it for a full year is because Apple was just replacing them under warranty. But then suddenly the warranty is up and now you have all these people who have iPhone 6 Pluses and they're being asked to spend $329 to buy a refurbished iPhone 6 Plus replacement phone. That's where I think Apple has sort of gone wrong here is that they are having people buy a refurbished phone that may or may not have the same issue, you know, within a month or two. And there's countless stories of people who have had to get their phone replaced like five or six times. And, you know, maybe at some point it's user error. That person is just uh, like using their phone a little bit more uh, rigidly than other people are using them, but maybe not. I mean, we're hearing this from people who put their phones in otter boxes and cases right away. So I think Apple's refusal to say anything about this is is really confusing a lot of people here. This is how Apple handles these issues is they have, you know, complete silence uh, externally and they work on doing everything they can kind of behind the scenes to mitigate it and deal with it. And eventually, if you get one of these issues that rises to enough prominence or you have enough lawsuits, sometimes a lawsuit can force them into doing something. But we have a expectation. I mean, part of the reason that people buy a seven, $800 phone is that they expect that it's going to last them four or five years. They expect there's going to be resale value at the end of it. We're starting to see it on so many phones and on people who say that they haven't dropped their phone that I think it has to be considered a manufacturing defect at this point. And Uh, It sounds like internally they're sort of starting to look at it this way. I've talked to at least five geniuses and all of them say that they feel terrible when customers bring their phones in and the only answer is buy a new one. But I'm curious, what do they do with the phones that are brought in? There's some speculation that they've been refurbishing them, but it's unclear. And where do you see this all going? I think it's going to play out in the courts, and it's really going to be how successful these lawsuits are will determine whether they get forced into it. There have been a number of cases in the past where Apple has had a uh, hardware defect like this. There was an issue with the with the uh, video chips on a particular version of the MacBook Pro, and they ended up extending the warranty on it and, and, and making people whole. I'm not quite sure why they're not being more proactive on this. They were they were pretty fast acting once uh, Error 53, which was the last kind of iPhone crisis uh, about six months ago. Once that really picked up in the in the mainstream media, uh, they acted very quickly to uh, deal with that issue. And I think maybe this just hasn't raised enough visible public awareness. They think that the problem is, you know, maybe it's only impacting a few hundred thousand people instead of millions of people, and and so that's enough. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, there's 10,000 people signed on to this one class action and, and uh, there's three more on the way. 
At least they're going to have to respond in legal filings in the courts. We'll see what they say there. You work with people or you, you know people in the industry who do fix this. What can you say about what the actual fix to touch disease is? You have to think you have a board with a whole bunch of chips on there. You have to basically desolder those chips. And then it turns out that the, the, you know this constant connecting and disconnecting these chips is actually frying the chips. You get to a point where these particular two touch ICs, uh, IC integrated circuits, these are like these you know square postage stamp sized things that are on the circuit board. Uh, Apple's code name internally for them is Cumulus and Mison. Those two chips basically need to be replaced. So you need to pull the board out of the phone. You need a microscope and some very fine soldering equipment. And you have to remove those chips and then resolder new chips on there. Uh, and it's certainly something that we think that Apple is doing at, at their repair depots, at their big repair centers. But it's completely beyond the skills of, of the Apple geniuses. So they're not going to be able to fix them at Apple stores. Now you have a lot of independent local technicians, folks like Jessa Jones uh, from upstate New York, who who kind of pioneered a lot of the techniques for repairing these things. But those technicians have to use information. They need access to circuit schematics that Apple doesn't want people to have. Uh, and so we're in this really interesting catch-22 that Apple doesn't have the technical capability to fix it. And they're also preventing the people who do have the technical capability of fixing it from having the information that they need to be able to do it correctly. Do you think Apple should have foreseen something like this happening? I mean, clearly they have tons of tests that happened before they put out a product. But, you know, this is now two years into the product's life cycle and we're starting to see large numbers. So what sort of responsibility do you think companies have to design products that will last should they have to make this right for their customers? Well, there's kind of two angles on this. There's the ethical issue. They're saying, what should they do? And then there's the legal issue of what must they do? Uh, and, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not a lawyer, so it'll be interesting to see what, what the courts decide. Uh, but it certainly seems from an ethical perspective and from a way that Apple positions their brand that, that people have an expectation that the phone is going to last more than two years. And when I talk to folks now, I mean, most people are thinking, yeah, I buy a phone. I want to use it for three or four years. Uh, and then I want to be able to sell it. Uh, and people have come to the expectation with iPhones that after I've had it for a couple years, I can sell it for a couple hundred dollars. Uh, they're even pricing into it a lot of these plans where you know, you've got like the AT&T's Next plan and some of these other upgrade plans where the carriers are getting in on it and they're expecting the device back because it has residual value. So this this is going to have a very large economic impact on, on, on the phone buyback market. Refurbished phones are seeing this a lot from the geniuses I've talked to. They say that they're starting to see this in phones that are quote unquote new, like newly remanufactured, I guess they call it. Right. So they're pulling it out of the box, turning it on, and it already has this issue. To me, that's like the biggest ethical quandary I have with this. It's that they're replacing these phones with phones that may or may not work. Right. Well, one interesting thing, when you when you buy a new phone from Apple, it comes with a one-year warranty. And for whatever reason, when you buy refurbished products from them, which I generally recommend, they only come with a 90-day warranty. And traditionally, that's been fine because their products don't have a history of having intermittent defects that show up after a couple months of use. But getting a re, uh, remanufactured phone that then only has a 90-day warranty uh, is really a challenge. And I mean, I think this is just because this impacts pretty much every six plus eventually is going to have this problem. Uh, and their their refurbishment process right now is not to uh, replace those chips. How much insight do we have into their refurbishment process? <laughs> I mean, I've How been... How much insight do you have? Yeah. <laughs> I've been in some of these facilities, yeah. And they might com you know completely pull all the components apart. 
but then they're they're reassembling them. So if the if the screen is scratched or, or the the case is scratched, they'll replace that. But if the circuit board is completely functional, you know, the, the, and they'll run a battery or test on the board. But if it, if it tests functional at the refurbisher, then they're going to you know send it along, integrate it with a you know shiny new case and display, and and send it on its way. Apple has like a new uh, inventory of millions of iPhone 6s that they've gotten from their iPhone upgrade program, people turning their phones back in. Can you see them potentially giving iPhone 6s pluses to anyone who has this issue? Because it seems like a quick fix, albeit probably one that's very expensive for Apple. That's true. That would be an interesting fix. Uh, you know, they're, those devices that they get back, they're refurbishing and they're reselling. They're selling them to carriers. You know, you can, if, if you get a, a replacement device from T-Mobile or Verizon, those are, those are refurbished units. You know, there's also, there's an environmental challenge to say, well, let's just take all these six, uh, you know, iPhone sixes and, and stop using them. I would prefer to see some large scale refurbishment of the circuit boards. How pissed do you think Apple is that uh, I have asked them like 10 times to comment <laughs> on this, and as have has, has everyone else, and we've run now like six stories about this? Do, do you think that they're angry? Yeah, I think Apple PR kind of has a bit of a thankless job, and so for, for the, the poor PR flack who is, is listening to this right now because they're paid to, uh, you know, I'm sorry, like it, it's not it's not the PR folks' fault, right? This is, this is coming from higher up the food chain. There, someone is making an economic decision. And they've told PR not to respond, and it's frustrating. And I mean, it, it's up to us as consumers to raise this to the level of of attention that they have to that they have to deal with it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this: I don't have a vendetta against Apple. I use their products. I think that their stances on privacy and security are fantastic. And it's it's frustrating when something like this happens. But I mean, at the same time, you can't just let it go or give them a pass for for it. Right. And, and, and the issue isn't going to go away. I mean, as, as you have, I mean, how many of these phones have they sold? Probably over a hundred million iPhone sixes. Uh, so all of these phones are out there in the market. And, uh, the longer that people have them, the more it's, it's, it's going to happen. I think at the level, I, I would guess that at the rate that we're seeing them happen on the iPhone six, that it might not be at a level that they would have to do something. But the rate that it's happening on the six plus is catastrophic. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Uh, it's impacting pretty much every iPhone 6 Plus eventually. Do you think that this is something that if Apple ignores long enough, it'll just go away by the sheer fact that people will start upgrading to the 7? I think that's what they're hoping. <laughs> that's, what, that's why PR hasn't responded to it. I mean, they're doing this calculation. They're saying, what is the negative PR value of this to us compared to the cost that it would be if we, if we extended the warranty on these things to two, three years? They sort of hit a good... Uh, news cycle as well with the note 7 exploding i've gotten a lot of emails from people saying oh i i'm so frustrated with my 6 plus i was thinking about getting the note 7 but i obviously can't because they're exploding right yeah 
Yeah, and I mean, you know, on the on the scale of manufacturing defects, this isn't as bad as the Note 7 problem, right? Uh, although it actually impacts more devices. I mean, we only know about 35, out of, out of 2.5 million Note 7s they sold, we only know about 35 of them that had the uh, this problem. Where on the iPhones, I mean, Apple's saying that with the 6 Plus, that 37% of the, of the phones that are coming into Apple stores of the 6 Pluses have this problem. Where there's no way that that 37% of the Note 7s that were manufactured have a safety problem. I've never seen anything like this. I mean, they stop manufacturing, they have a recall, and they have shut down Note 7. Uh, This is amazing. Uh, And this is a... I mean, this is a manufacturing defect that probably only impacts a very, very small fraction of Note 7s. But because they haven't been able to isolate it, and because their first attempt... At, at isolating it, it was wrong, uh, you have to write the entire brand off. And you have not just the cost of manufacturing, but it seems like they've probably spent, what, $50, $100 million advertising this product? Yeah, I mean, it's their flagship product. Like, it was seen as the Android phone. Right. I, I mean, the, the best Android phone. So, I mean, I know that you're very uh, invested in environmental issues, and to me, this struck it struck me as quite bad for the environment to take a phone that sold millions of units and uh just write it off for forever yeah that's really bad <laughs> that's uh th- that's a huge environmental impact uh in a, a very high-end phone right i mean the electronics industry consumes most of the world's supply of indium a lot of these rare earths that we use in phones that it's not possible to recover in recycling i think you told me a few years ago like recycling is kind of the worst thing that can happen to a phone yeah it's not it's, it's not as bad as throwing in the trash but as far as reduce reuse recycle right. repair etc like it's the it's the lowest on the totem pole and it sounds very much like that's what's going to happen to these yeah if you look at all the elements on the periodic table 50 of those elements are in a note 7 and out of those 50 the best recyclers in the world can only get about 12 of them back so there's a huge amount of material that we're just losing and a lot of those materials are the most energy and in, in resource intensive to mine do you just see this as a, a shame i mean i don't i don't I don't know how much you can fault Samsung for it's obviously not like what they want to do, I suppose, but there's just such pressure on them right now. Like, I don't know what the alternative is. Right. I mean, th- this is a mistake. It's a, it's a, it's a manufacturing mistake. Uh, I mean, it's similar to like the iPhone six problem. That's not malicious on Apple's part. It's, it's, it's a design flaw. It's something that uh, if they had known what was going to happen ahead of time, they would have done something differently. Uh, I think that, that really where we can point fault at Samsung on this is for gluing the battery into the Note 7. You know, the previous Note didn't, it had a modular battery, you could pull it out. Uh, and if, if they had done that, uh, this whole thing wouldn't be a problem because they could have recalled the batteries and not the phones. It's ironic or poetic that a, a manufacturer moving to a less repairable phone has really, really bit them. Right. I mean, we're talking a couple billion dollars in damage. Uh, Samsung stock is down 8% over it. I mean, this is massive. And this is a result. I mean, this isn't going to be the last time we see a device with with an overheating or exploding battery. I mean, we are building little bombs into every single uh, electronic device that that we use. And there's a lot of challenging chemistry. I mean, the batteries in these phones are at 90% of the theoretical maximum energy that you can pack into that chemistry. So when we're we're already at ninety percent and they're trying to push that to ninety one percent, like you're 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 you have this trade off between you know battery life that we want and safety, 
and we're pushing closer and closer to, to the safe line with every generation of phones that come out. This is a, a relatively high voltage that they were using in this battery with a, the hopes of getting maybe 2% more performance out of it. Right before coming down here, I literally got to the breaking point with my phone and I went to the Apple store to figure out what was going on. And I asked the guy at the Genius Bar, I was like, are you seeing this a lot? He didn't know, he's like, I don't know. I He just, he said nothing to me about it. And I got so mad that they offered to fix it. And I was just like, no, I like never want to look at this iPhone 6 again. I want it out of my life. Over the course of reporting about touch disease, I've gotten emails and calls from at least five geniuses so far. People who see this problem every day and don't know what to do about it because they know it exists, Apple knows it exists, but Apple won't talk about it publicly. I talked with an ex-genius about his experience in the Apple store and about what you can do if your phone is exhibiting this problem. My name is Curtis Mitchell. I uh, am an ex-genius for Apple. I worked for them for about three and a half years and uh, I stopped working at the Apple store a little over four months ago. I feel like there's not enough media exposure or there's not enough pressure about what's going on. And so many people have been affected by this. And it's just, it it needs to be taken care of by Apple and they need to do the right thing. Can you tell me what your experience was with touch disease or like when did you first start noticing this was a problem? Um, like I said, probably within about six months of the phone coming out. I mean, we didn't know, of course, originally that it was a problem because you come in, you see a few phones, but as the problems start compiling, you start noticing that it's a very, very frequent phone or excuse me, very, very frequent issue. Um, you know, and that pretty much anybody who came in with a six plus had that problem or one other problem every once in a while. I mean, that's, that's accepting people who break their phones and stuff like that. But a six plus has only ever came in for one of two problems. It's within the first six months. Yeah. And at first you guys just replaced it because a lot of them were still under warranty or all of them were still under warranty. Yeah, correct. And I mean, you know, up until that first year, it, we all thought it was kind of odd. I'm not really sure what the right word is, but we thought it was odd troubling, I suppose that all these phones were having this problem because it, I think I told you when I spoke to you over email that this is a, most of the quote repairs that we did over half of the ones that I ever the half time rather that I saw six plus come in. It was for this, this specific issue. Um, so yeah. And it was just kind of, kind of troubling. At what point did it start becoming a real problem? Like af- for the customer, I suppose, like after the warranty started expiring, right? Well, I won't get into how Apple used to deal with these, but they became very, draconic in the way that they would deal with these problems like people would come in with this issue a day after their warranty expired and that's not an exaggeration i mean one day after and our managers would say well you know they have options they can either you know purchase a new phone using like an upgrade um they can purchase a replacement phone for 329 and that's their only options and of course our counter argument was well we know this is a problem why can't we just cover the cost of this for these people because it's the right thing to do and our managers would refuse to do it because you know apple would track things like how many times managers were doing overrides of prices and stuff like that and they knew that if they were tracking this stuff it was such a large amount that they would be basically giving away all these repairs and and the other thing we would always hear is you know if a customer gave us pushback we were basically supposed to say well you had the opportunity to buy apple care when the phone was new and if you had apple care this problem would be covered. So, you know, 
that was kind of the mentality of it. At what point did you realize that the company knew that, that this was happening on phones that weren't mistreated? Oh, I'd say within the first nine months. Because the way that the repair system worked at Apple, you would put in the type of product somebody brought in. You know, well, actually, you'd put in their serial number. Then it would ask you a kind of a, a teardown question about like what their problems were. And the way we would put them in is basically as the screen not functioning. And as soon as you did that, you got a message saying, do not attempt to repair these phones. These phones must be replaced. And that happened within, I'd say, like I said, three months of us noticing the problem, which would be about nine months after the phone was originally released. And furthermore, we had an internal communication, basically newsletter, where they sent out a message to anybody working in the basically as genius as anybody doing repairs on phones that we were not to try to repair the phones that we were only to replace them. And the system that we use actively prevented us from attempting repairs. The only option we had was to replace them. If they were in warranty, great. If they were out of warranty, our hands were tied. So Apple has done this like quality program for other problems that the phones have had. Sure. But it said nothing about touch disease. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it's staying mom? Cost. I mean, it's it's the same reason, quite frankly, that the the recent thing with the note was it the Note Seven, I think, with the batteries exploding. Yep. It's the same kind of thing. I mean, the only thing I can imagine is is it worth it for us to replace the phone? It's one thing for a, a camera to go out on a six plus. That was a quality program. The issue that's a thirty dollar repair out of warranty for a customer, but replacing a whole phone is you know it, I don't even know what they the cost bottom line cost is for Apple as a company. But it's got to be considerably more than just replacing a camera. And I'm sure that they didn't want to lose face, number one. And number two, it just it would have been extremely expensive. It would be extremely expensive. I've talked to five other geniuses about this problem, and they've all basically said the exact same thing that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious, how was it psychologically for you to tell people, you know, you have to pay $329 <laughs> to fix it's- this? And how, how did that conversation normally go? Oh boy. I mean, you're giving somebody bad news and you know it's not right and you also know there's nothing you can do for about it. I mean, and you know that your voice won't be heard. So it makes as a genius it made me feel ineffective. It made me feel awful, you know, because I knew that we were screwing these customers over and I knew there was nothing we could do about it or nothing I could do about it. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I knew some tricks to play in the system where every once in a while I could get away with helping someone out. But if Apple knew how I did that or how any of the other geniuses do that, they would have fired us immediately, even though we were doing the right thing. It was just, it was a sickening, disgusting feeling. And it made me ashamed to actually work for Apple. And I got to be honest with you, that whole touch disease thing and several other things like that, that's what ultimately led me leaving Apple. So I've gotten a lot of emails from people who say, what should I do? Like, what, what can I do about this? And it sounds like there are a couple things that you know, if you're sort of lucky and get the right employee, a right manager, you may be able to get a phone even if you're out of warranty. Mm-hmm. Um, can you take us through any of those? Or like, you don't have to give us secrets, I suppose, but can the geniuses help you if you beg enough? Uh, can a genius? No. I mean, because we don't have the authority in the computer systems to override prices. Like I said, I mean, I knew tricks. But it's not anything I would suggest telling somebody else to do because it was all me saying, hey, I understand your plight. I know how to work the system. I'll get you taken care of. But what would be most effective is um, 
I got to be honest, like mailing upper management because we had something in the system called, uh, not the system, something we called an executive detractor, meaning that someone got a hold of an email address of some very important person at Apple. And it didn't even matter if the person emailing them was a nobody. You know, for example, we would get emails from Tim Cook or Tim Cook's assistant to our store manager saying, you need to take care of this and you need to take care of it now. So, I mean, it was that kind of, that was the most effective way I saw of having these horrible things dealt with in the quickest fashion possible. And I mean, I guess it's going to take persistence on the customer's behalf, but I mean, the, the manager, if the genius says they can't do it, it's not the genius's fault. The manager can do it. The manager probably won't. And you just got to keep going up that chain, you know, the district manager, if you have to, I mean, you can get Tim Cook's email address is super easy. Can you tell me a little bit more about the manager situation? Like you said, they have the power to override, but they won't. Um, mm-hmm. Why, why is that Apple corporate like tracks that correct? Um, it's what they call it is they call them overrides or 99s. A 99 is just slang we use in, in the store to say that we, basically took 100% of the cost off of a product, you know, so we give something away for free. This is called a 99. Um, the process was I would go to a manager, you know, I say, hey, look, here's my reason. I need to have for you to override this cost because X, Y, Z. And they would usually not do it because that is a tracked, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for, like a metric, a tracked metric. Like anytime a manager went in and overrode a cost, the amount that was overridden was compiled in a you know report, which I I get the reason that Apple does it because you know you don't want somebody abusing that kind of thing, but at the same time, it kind of hamstrung the ability of anyone in the store to do the right thing. So I mean, if they what would happen is if if the manager started doing this too often, district manager would come in and say, hey, what are you guys doing? Because it would show up on the district manager's reports, and then whoever was above the district manager would come and look at this this DM and say, hey, why is why are your stores giving away so much stuff for free? Which again, I, I understand the principle, but I feel like it, it was, it's just was, uh, you know, just ob- observed in the incorrect way. Thanks to Kyle Weens for coming on, and thanks to Kurt, Kate, and our editor, Tim Barnes. I am Jason Kebler, and you can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any other podcast app you might use. So tell your friends if you like us. All right, we'll see you next week. 